welcome to Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. And good morning to Mayor Tony Harp. Mayor Harp is here in the studio for her regular Mayor Monday checkup on what she and we are up to in the Elm City. You can join the conversation. You can post some questions on Facebook, on the New Haven Independent Facebook page. You can call in the way Bob does at 203-872-7ELM, 203-872-7356, the old school mode of communication in honor of Mr. Graham Bell. And today's program is made possible in part thanks to support from Bertram Moses PC and from Gateway College in downtown New Haven. Thanks, Gateway. Thanks, Bertram. And thanks, Mayor Harf. So nice to see you. This Great seeing you. How you doing? All right. How's your weekend? It was good. I know she's doing some uh, stuff this weekend. I wanted to ask you about it. It looked kind of fun. Interesting. Oh, okay. But uh, first I want to ask you about bump stocks. Now, I'm, I don't know a lot about stocks in the stock market. Are bump stocks stocks that you think are going to do well and then they go up really fast or they have something to do with guns? Uh, bump stocks have something to do with guns. See, I know even less about guns. It's you kind of a tie. Those things, guns have you seen those market? movies where they're like bumping and shooting? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. what that is. Ooh. Oh, it's something you buy after you buy your gun right, to make it right. do what? Shoot more shoot, people? Yeah, shoot more people and shoot faster. Oh, wow. Like a semi-automatic. All right. Yeah. So, Mayor Harp, it sounds like you've been spending some time getting to know a little bit about bump stocks. Well, I I, I went to um, an event down in um, Washington, D.C. when I was there. Um, there was a national meeting of... Uh, people who um who support the don't stand idly by movement um and in our state it's connect and um is that uh congregations that have faith-based activism right Mm -hmm. and so it's um a number of congregations in our state that have been active in that and um one of the things that they wanted outlawed nationally are bump the selling of bunk bump stocks and uh, you know i was trying to figure out what it was too and it was pretty clear that it was that enhancement so you're not finding out about bump stocks in order to go do some shooting (gasps) no i want to make sure people don't do shooting so then i guess that's why you're gonna i understand you're gonna be talking about bump stocks after the show today at church on the rock with a whole group of legislators including william tong and new haven's legislators right what's on the agenda well, we're going to be talking about um, ways in which we can reduce the number of murders in our state. And are people committing murders with these bump stocks? Well, they have. I think that they used it in Las Vegas, and oh, they yeah. could use it here. That's right. After what we saw at Sandy Hook, yeah, we don't want to be putting tools in the hands of people to right. massacre. Right. Absolutely don't. And um, unfortunately, we still haven't figured out as a society how to deal with mental illness or what makes people violent and aggressive and to have guns in their hands that can kill huge numbers of people uh, within seconds is something that we really uh, want to make sure that we do something about. I remember um, after the Sandy Hook massacre, you were a state center at the time. Right. God, that was a long time ago. It was still so big in our consciousness. It is. And you, um, you shared an effort in response to the Sandy Hook massacre to look at mental health and how that ties into violence. What did you glean from that? Well, I I gleaned that, and and it's still in my observation, is that we, even though we say we have uh, insurance parity, we really don't. 
What even, does insurance parity mean for mental health as other kinds and, of illness? And as well as physical health. Uh, so there should be the same kind of parity that the doctor should be able to make a decision about the kind of care that you get. And, and still, I would say that insurance companies are limiting that. Uh, and that, so, so I learned that. I also, one of the things that we were able to get into the bill was to make sure that people in Connecticut have to have um, mental health assessments before they get licensed for guns. And, you know, the, the real issue, though, about people getting licensed for guns who are cleared for them, often they're not the ones that create the problems. And it's the, the kinds of loopholes that exist. You can buy guns uh, in another state and carry them across state lines. And that's a federal issue. Um, you can um, lose your guns um, and or sell your guns on the street to someone who's not licensed as an individual or someone can break in and take your guns. And um, so as a result, all of those things that we did helped somewhat, but they really didn't stop uh, guns being in the hands of people who shouldn't have them. And so one of the things that uh, Connect is trying to do is to, of course, outlaw the bump stocks um, um, nationally. Um, but they're also trying to say that we now have the technology that will allow the um, gun to only be shot by the person who um, is registered to have well, that's, the gun. I wonder how the NRA, they might like that unless they're in no, hyper... No, they don't like that. Because they're in a hyper-ideological mode that anything you do with guns to limit anything. But when it most... Gun owners be okay with that if their argument is I need a gun to protect myself, and that's a whole separate argument we can have. Right, I think it would be fine with them, but I, 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 my sense is that the NRA um, responds more to manufacturers than it does to um, public safety, to be honest with you. And it seems like their strategy is scorched earth, that even if there's a reasonable provision that addresses what their stated concerns are about people's rights. They're going to go against it because you don't want to give an inch. I think that's what it is. If, if you give an inch, they think that uh, the advocates against gun violence will take a mile. But, you know, in all honesty, um, do we really want to be a society where people can be killed on our streets because we have inadequate laws impacting uh, the public health of individuals who uh, could be killed with a, a, a gun? I mean, think about um, the, um, even in New Haven, even though we had seven um, murders last year, five of them were with guns. And if it, was, if it wasn't so easy to get guns, do you really think that we would have had that many? We probably wouldn't have. You're listening to Mayor Monday, WNHHFM, with Mayor Tony Harf here on live stream to newhavenevent.org. So you're going to be doing that today, yeah. getting a bill into the legislature. And uh, so this weekend, there was the first, I guess, there'll be more than one event for the Chinese New Year. I didn't even know it was coming up till I saw on Facebook that oh, you were yeah. showing the I didn't Fest. actually go to that. Oh, maybe that was from an, a year ago. Maybe it's next weekend. Okay, yeah, I'm getting mixed I up. I can't look weekend. at Facebook unless people put memories up. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking the Lunar Fest is this weekend. Okay. But you did, did you go to the refugee run? No, I didn't go to that. There were either. two, you know, every year now for Iris, they have a big run with thousands of people right, come to raise right. money. And uh, so this year, I, for some reason, it didn't get on my uh, calendar. But uh, but it's a good event, you know, sort of like Rock to Rock, which you were promoting. I've, I've gone in years Those, past. It's a big, I Very like nice, these regular yeah. events every year mm-hmm. that are, you can count on them in New Haven where people have a way of showing up and having fun about something that also makes a difference. 
So right. Run for the Refugees just became a way last year, I think, for people to say a lot of people support what Iris Integrated Refugee and Immigrant Services does. Mm-hmm. And that that's a way to both raise money and have fun and yep. be in a community that does that. Last week I was at City Hall with you and you trucked out a bicycle on the second floor. That's that was right. draped with a sign for the Rock to Rock Run, which also is over 10. It's been nine years, it's going to be 10. Mm-hmm. It's raised a lot of money over the years for some like 30 environmental groups in town. Right. And this is going to be the 10th anniversary one, and that's big. That is that big. That has like thousands, I think, of people come out. And it's, some people ride macho races, you know, they go from the rock to the rock, west to east, they go all around the place. Mm-hmm. Then other people go, you know, with their kids down the street. Mm-hmm. There's sorts of parties and fun. I, I think that's a great event. And I remember, I think you went a bunch of years ago when you got on your bicycle for the first time in years. If I'm yeah, I, I did. I I, I, uh, I didn't get to go last year because I had a conflict, but I went the year before last and I rode. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and this year when you were support, when you were asking people to be involved in Rock to Rock this year, it was part of a larger unveiling of a climate plan mm-hmm. that your administration put together. And tell me if I'm wrong, this was a couple of years in the making under Giovanni Vin Zinn. He worked with environmental groups in town about what right. it would look like if everybody got together to try to cut our carbon emissions dramatically. So you've set a goal of 55% by 2030 right. of our carbon emissions in town, not just government, because you've already announced a whole lot of initiatives with government. That's included in the plan. You do the solar roofs. You do the um, catch basins, what are they called again? I love that bios word. Wells. Yeah, yeah. bioswells. I love that word. I love <laughs> we like learn new words we didn't used to know that uh, are yeah. all over town now. And uh, But you also call on citizens to do stuff. And what I thought was fun was I asked for my copy of the plan. I couldn't get one. Mm-hmm. because you didn't print them out because that would have wasted a lot of paper. Right. Instead, you just put them on the web. Right. And I think what Giovanni Zinn, your city engineer, was saying was that we all can take steps every day mm-hmm. to cut our carbon emissions. And that, that's part of how you reach a goal like 55% by 2030. Right. Anything uh, stand out at you in that plan? Uh, you know, I, I do think the fact that we have are doing complete streets is uh, something, and, and, you know, this should impact you you know more bicycling so because she means make it safer to ride have like bike lanes and things like that so people and cross streets walk you know all of these things um really help yeah so that that is a, that is a big factor i think we're doing the first one in the state in terms of a protected two-way right bike lane which the state's first is going to be coming on this spring I understand. Mm-hmm. yeah we're excited about that and you know it's this thing we talked this is also when we're talking about guns we're talking about cities and states stepping up when they feel that the federal government hasn't taken the lead. Right. So on climate, we dropped out of the Paris Climate Accord. We, uh, we've been rolling back environmental regulations. But states like California, New York, and California really can be considered a country both in terms of its size and the impact of what it does that goes beyond its borders, have said we can, fill, we can step into the breach to some extent. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're doing that with the climate? I mean, the climate's a big It's a a big thing to tackle. A lot of our pollution comes from other states, but uh, we can do our share. Absolutely. We also have um, caught sight of you at Boathouses and Bridges. So last week uh, you toured the new $36 or $37 million boathouse that the state paid for. It's almost ready. And uh, you put on a hard hat. You went to Rosa DeLauro and some reporters. And it's right on uh, part of what you're trying to do to revive the harbor. Mm -hmm. And there was an old Yale boathouse that was historic and that was torn down when they widened widened I-95. That was um, in the annex. So they say, we'll give you the money to rebuild it. So what did it look like? What did you see? It's beautiful. Um, There, uh, certainly there's going to be space there for, for 
rowboats, I think maybe some sailboats, dragon boats. Uh, there's going to be space there for University of uh, New Haven there. Um, they're going to have a program in there that uh, deals with marine biology. Um, so that was interesting. And then there's just, there's going to be open space there that can be rented out. And um, as well, there's this huge platform that uh, goes out into the water, and we hope to have events there. Um, International Festival for Arts and Ideas is going to be doing some things there. And they're hoping at some point, um, there's a pier that goes out there, and they're hoping at some point that they'll be able to have um, some uh, places for boats that are just in the area to dock. They'll be um, not permanent, but... Uh, during the summer. So, so it, that, that kind of helps fill in the gaps for me. Whenever I read about this, like I'm thinking like, why should I care about the boathouse? I know people care about the architectural details there, which is cool, but it sounds like you're saying this is really going to be in a lot of ways a magnet for people to connect to the water. It That is the hope in that it's um, the uh, termination of, what is it, the um, uh, Farmington Canal mm-hmm. uh, there. And so it. It ends right there, and we're hoping that people will walk, can walk from Cheshire if they want to ride their bicycle all the way down to the shore, and it will end right there at the boathouse. I know they've been trying to get some troublesome pieces of land in the way to eventually get that trail going away to Northampton. Yeah, yeah. It's really sounds and, fun. And the really great thing is that the Canal Dock uh, organization is going to be providing services to young people who live in New Haven, they're going to learn um, uh, canoeing and oh, rowing. And yeah, so it's going to be a really, and they're already doing it, but they'll now have a place to do it. So step one, and then we have that big dragon boat. You mentioned dragon boats. So we have that big, it's a new annual event as well. Right. Dragon boat raises a lot of fun stuff goes on in the city. I think and, so, uh, yeah. And so this becomes step one. And when we're looking at rethinking Long Wharf in a broader way mm-hmm. and not just right at the water, but the land beyond it, you have a task force working on that. Right. Um, Tom Breen writes in with some questions. He asks about, you have the independent report on Friday that you have a new community service administrator. That's the person who, um, we don't have him yet because he has to be approved by the mm-hmm. board. All those now have a process like Congress where top aides go through hearings and there has to be a vote on them. Mm-hmm. But um, you named the Kibu Mule. Can you mm-hmm. tell us some about why you picked him and what? Uh... Well, I, I picked him because um, he's worked at the Department of Children and Families for many years. He came as a postdoctorate fellow to work with us last year and was very helpful in coming up with ways to improve administration and management. And um, and, and he did it really on his his own. Uh, That's so interesting. So you had him in the building. Yeah. And he was looking at ways to run social services better? Well, in all departments. And so, oh. yeah, so he's he's really got a lot of experience in doing that kind of work. And so uh, just based upon the work that he did for us during his, um, his postdoctorate fellowship uh, with City Hall, I thought he would be a great fit. And plus, he already knew a lot about um, some of the programs. Of the he was the staff person or is the staff person who's working on the domestic violence issue That's one uh, of the big well. new tasks of having that job. You're trying to have a center both for victims of domestic violence but also even working with the people commit domestic violence. Right, exactly. So um, so I, I had a lot of confidence in him just based upon the work that he had already done on behalf of the city. 
Tom was reading the comments. The Independent, some people raise questions about the for-profit University of Phoenix. He has a um, a doctorate, I guess, from there. He does, but he's, he's also an, an MSW, licensed MSW Southern. Uh, from Southern. And so, you know, like, because he has that doctorate. So I may look askance at that. I don't. And, uh, he, you know, I think it just adds to the academic background that he has which is well beyond most people in the united states and you're saying that he was as part of that he was in city hall helping you rethink right management of the departments right and he's uh, moved up uh through civilian jobs at the state um of connecticut through the department of children and families and so um so based upon his experience um the work that he did for us and uh his education he's also bilingual he He's um, he's he's actually Puerto Rican, and uh, speaks Spanish fluently and can relate to that population as well. So I'm excited about that. It, it gives us um, a, a professional on board that uh, has skills that we hadn't had before. And um, another question was: Cornell West gave a, uh, a Black History Month address at Yale's Patel Chapel over full of crowd. Okay. Marquisha Rickswent said it was a great talk. She went looking to see if there was going to be any follow up with his his uh, online duel with Tanahisi Coates. Oh, okay. But instead, she said he gave a great speech about um, how we shouldn't see Black History Month as a time for just feel good, safe things to say. Mm-hmm. But that, in fact, just like in the Survivors Movement, there are a lot of hard truths that need to be spoken, and Absolutely. that our situation is worse since the 1860s. I guess Tom liked the quote that it was the uh, Oh, he criticized Obama as the brilliant, poised, black face of the American empire. Because, you know, West has been after Obama for a while. What do you think yeah. about that? Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think that there are a lot of, um, there, there are a lot of ways to think about President Obama, but the way that I feel about him is that um, he um, showed <clears throat> grace uh, under fire and dignity, and he found ways, in spite of very difficult budget, and a difficult Congress to address the issues that impact the black community. And I think in retrospect, you know, years down the road, as we look at My Brother's Keeper and some of the other work that he did that he didn't have to do, that he continues to do today, that there will be those that have said those things, and I understand where they're coming from, but they will be proved wrong. I think Cornell West is feeling less relevant. <laughs> you know, I mean, I really liked a lot of things that over the years, I think he's a great speaker and a good man. But the way he took on Coates, I thought was way over the top. I think he felt, and maybe this being pop psychologist, that Coates is now playing the role he did. I mean, if you read Coates' books, they're quite powerful and they're right mm. in the moment right now and they're having incredible influence. And, and, I, um, and, I and think, Obama, too, didn't invite West to the White House much to like be in his ear. And, and, I, and I think that that happens when you have had a strong voice under other administrations and you don't see that as much under the administration of someone who comes from a similar culture as yours and would be um, have an ability to impact that culture in a way that you would like it. Uh, it can be, uh, um, I could see being upset by that. Uh, and, you know, you, you saw it in a number of African-American leaders, not just Cornell West, who were thought leaders. It, it was hard for them to adjust to having an African-American. But as leader. Tony Harp has said on unrelated occasions, it's often good to hear what people have to say, whatever their motives, because you can learn from it. 
I think that's absolutely right. You've got to pay attention to it. it it's 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 reasonable to uh, to pay, and to understand that you know there are a thousand ways to look at the same issue. And, but I'm not feeling <laughs> I'm not feeling bad for President Obama because he is now the named person on the Barnard Pedestrian Bridge. All right, you guys yes. dedicated a plaque last week right? at the Barnard School, which is an environmentally themed school. And it connects. Unfortunately, the public can't use it because they're worried about safety, the kind of people who come mm-hmm. walk through it in the school. But it's this bridge that goes over a very dangerous street to cross, which is El Agresso Boulevard. And it takes the kids right into the park. We've had it there for a bunch of years. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Poole and Frankie White from the Ward Committee, Ward 23 West River, those are names we've known for mm-hmm. many decades in mm-hmm. New Haven. They came up with the idea of naming that after President Obama. And I guess you were there for the plaque. Yes, I was. And it's, it's really exciting. There were a lot of people there. And are very excited about that. And the, the students, a number of students were there. They gave speeches. They were excellent. And um, It was Environmental Week. You're doing yeah. the climate change report, the, right, the bridge yeah. to our future, to the park with President Obama. Right. So I think that's uh, um, exciting. Well, it's also exciting to remind you that you listen to Mayor Monday, 103.5 FM, live stream, New Haven, Independent.org, and WNHH. Mayor Harp is in the house. And a few more people are writing in questions. Aaron Good has his weekly question. That's always one I would have never thought of. Mm. Mayor Harp, um, would you like to see a tunnel connecting New Haven to Long Island, even if it meant Connecticut spending some funds that could go to other transportation priorities? Now, this is a real proposal in New York. I know. Uh, you know, I think that funds could be better spent elsewhere. Uh, I just don't see it happening. So I think it's an interesting conversation uh, to have. But, you know, it probably isn't going to happen in our lifetime, um, Aaron. And I know that you're younger than I am, so. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> so to say it wouldn't happen in my lifetime isn't to say much, but <laughs> I think it's yeah, going to be Yeah, some next 40 years is not going to happen. Huh? <laughs> no. The, um, so. I was talking to Matthew Emerson, your economic development advisor, about this. And one thing that was very interesting to me about the discussion over this tunnel is that they're talking about a meeting at several places. Could be Rhine, New York. Could be Bridgeport. Could be New Haven. And it costs a lot different depending on location. It doesn't have to do with distance. There must be some challenges to building under the sound that are you different different routes. <laughs> but I mean that they might be different from different routes. Of course, yeah. But, you know, Matthew was saying he thought this could be a real boon for us, that it could, um, you know, I mean, Mayor, Mayor Stefano wanted to sink the highway. You know, it's, it's hard to think, you know, you're right, that it's hard to think about big transportation projects now because that's not the way we think in this country we're letting amtrak fall apart yep. we're letting all sorts of existing infrastructure fall apart we they killed that tunnel in new york city that was supposed to be a good thing so i wonder if where you're coming from partly is that in the real world right now it's been hard enough to try to keep the state transportation fund solvent without cutting back service than it is to think about projects that i think people of our bent like we like infrastructure and oh we absolutely do and we should uh, as we've discussed previously, you know, our infrastructure is in terrible shape. You know, we, we like to compare ourselves to other places around the world. But in all honesty, we have lost ground when it comes to infrastructure as a country. And that is going to affect us economically. So I, I think looking at infrastructure, particularly for our state, is really important. Mm-hmm. But I'm on the, uh, the, the COG. and um, The Council of Governments. Uh, for this area, we call it SCROG. Um, I've always thought that was a faintly odd name. <laughs> Acronym. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe think of fish or something. I know. It does feel that way. Um, and, and we've heard from the Department of Transportation that uh, we were in a situation and may be in a situation again soon 
where the Department of Transportation can't even go out for bonding because they're not solvent out five years. That is a problem. That's been talked about in the last week, as you know, Mayor Harp, because uh, Daniel Malloy and his last year's governor is trying to have some action taken to shore up the transportation fund. He has warned publicly, I think our credit agencies as well right. as the legislature, mm-hmm. that what you were just talking about is going out of money. He tried to get a $1 billion investment that didn't fly. Now he's floating in the last week some ideas like a $0.07 cent gas tax increase, mm-hmm. a $3 tire tax. Yeah, that was interesting. And new tolls on highways. Yeah, tire tax, that was I mean, We do need tires, don't we? So I guess it's, <laughs> it's pretty good, and they go every so often. I would love to see, like, you know, how special interests emerge anytime you get tax something. It'd be interesting <laughs> to start seeing the, what the tire world looks like. I know. I, but, actually, I know a guy in my synagogue is a tire company, actually. He's, yeah. He's and, one of them. and one of the things we were talking about, sustainability and the environment, and uh, what the rules around uh, the kind of emissions that cars can have, and the amount of uh, uh, how clean their emissions ought to be um, is changing the way in which we make cars. It's um, making cars get more miles per gallon, and uh, there are more and more um, cars that um, are electric and gas, and then more and more electric. And it's impacting how beneficial our gas tax is. I mean, we're losing ground on the gas tax, and that's how we found it. Funded, excuse me, funded things in the past. And so it's really going to be a revenue stream that we can't count on over the next few years. Mm. And so we're going to have to look to something else. And I thought that it would be easy to do tolls in the way that they've done them on the Mass Pike, which is they don't have toll booths anymore. But evidently, it's it's really kind of complicated. So but even basically, if, it's sort of like easy pass on steroids and it's up in the air and everything. Right. And, and so even if, if our legislature passes it, it would take three to four years to actually implement it. So that's why they have to go up over the next four years up to seven cents is what they have said to us. So you're saying that you're not that interested in the gas tax? You have to see more, more like the highway the toll plan and things like that? Well, I, I think that the gas tax is a diminishing revenue source. Jonathan so, Harris, who's running for governor, echoed your thoughts when he was in the studio last week. And he said he liked the idea of tolls, and he thought they should couple that with a drop in the gas tax because he argues that people who drive big distances like truckers deliberately bypass Connecticut and that they wouldn't then. And maybe they'd buy some, he said, burritos at the, at the stand and things like that. Mm-hmm. But do we charge diesel also the same kind of tax? I think that it's similar, yeah. My wife said I was thinking that they never think to ask those questions. Um, yeah, no. But Bob the, thinks of asking lots of questions, and he's a little late today, but he's better late than never. Hey. Hey, Bob, welcome to Mayor Monday. Bob, Paul. are you there? Yeah, Bob, how you doing? Hello, Paul, how are you? Good, how you doing, sir? All right, I have a quick question for the mayor. Mayor, with the recent overdoses of the uh, synthetic marijuana K2, what is the city doing to try to help prevent this? Well, you know, I think... Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Uh, certainly, yeah, our, I'll listen to your response. Good to talk to you. Our police department is, um, is working on this, and we're trying to get to the bottom of those people who are selling it. We're also trying to make sure that people know that this is a, a bad drug, and if you use it, supposedly it's not as addictive as opioids, um, that uh, you should stop because this is a dirty batch and can kill you. K2 is interesting. I remember years ago when I first heard about it, I said, what's this K2 thing? 
And it was I said sold. It, it was legally <laughs> sold at convenience stores in New mm-hmm. Haven. And then the government kept trying to ban it. It's, a, it's synthetic cannabis, so right. it's marijuana, but not marijuana. And they kept changing the formula so it would avoid the ban. Mm-hmm. And then when the problem apparently is, and it's gotten very popular in New York, and apparently it's now illegal no matter what, and that they always mix it with different stuff and you don't know what's mixed in with. Exactly. So when we had that incident two weeks ago or a week and a half when a bunch of people OD'd at the same time, mm-hmm. that was a bad Paxter K2. And then last week, I don't know if Bob might have been referring to that mayor, I think you might have remembered, I don't remember if it was Thursday or Wednesday, there was again a whole period when a lot of people OD'd on K2. No one died, and this time no one had a heart attack. It was all around the area of the green. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason we didn't report is because the word OD has gotten, overdose gotten a little fungible. So these were people, their heart rate kind of slow. They weren't in danger. They were just kind of acting. They lost it. They kind of freaked out. Mm-hmm. So there was something bad in that batch. And we have 10 to 12 ODs in New Haven every day. So and this guy is kind of sick. But we say, what is news? Mm-hmm. We run out every day and say, well, 10 people today OD'd. But there was another spurt. We're mm-hmm. in a very concentrated amount of time in one area, K2. And that was another change because most of it's been opioids, which is bad enough. And, you know, the thing that, that we worry about that, that we also sense is that this might be one of the drugs that people who are on methadone take. And so, uh, you know, what is the contraindication if you're on methadone and you take this drug and a lot of the people on the green are some of our methadone um, patients and so um, all of these things interrelate unfortunately I think you saw there's been some talk in that area where for some reason because the bus routes a lot of people coming from all over the state New Mm -hmm. London Willimantic too and we've talked about this forever on the show yeah come to get methadone treatment here in New Haven Mm -hmm. And they're, they're hanging out all day on the green and by the bus routes there. And they're saying now it's caused a real problem for a bunch of the businesses in the nice square. Oh, sure, absolutely. Any thoughts? I, I don't know if you saw the emails going around this weekend about that. But. Oh, I have. I saw it. I, I responded to it. We're going to have a meeting on it. Um, our, you know, we've said from day one, and we've been trying to get the transfer stations moved from the green to someplace closer to where people get their treatment so that they are not um, coming to the green. I think the fact, you know, I, I we've talked about this. You Although know, this one's a tough one, because like, are you gonna get a certain route? Because that's the central, you guys years ago tried to get the state to build an area at the uh, this train station, that didn't happen for transfer right. point. How do you get like one leg of out of town transfers? Well, you know, we're, gonna, we're not doing one leg. <clears throat> uh, I think that the proposal that we have now is that we do about four different transfer stations across the city so that they're not all oh, concentrated on the okay. green. You know, people will be able to come to the green uh, and take the bus to the green, but the transfer stations will be in different places depending upon where you have to go. So where are some places you're thinking of? Well, there probably is going to be one close to the hill in the hospital and then um, probably over in, in Fairhaven and... Um, um, Probably um, Morris Cove area. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Who's so, working on that with you? Uh, it's uh, it's Doug Hosleyden and Matthew are working on that. Matthew so one thing I could I can imagine, for instance, if you're transferring to a bus for the shoreline, right? On the Morris Cove, that could make a lot of sense, right? And if you're if you're going to uh, North Haven or something like that, Fairhaven can make a lot of sense, right? And it could be the same bus lines, it's just where the transfer point is, right? Okay, learning something new every week on Mayor Monday. (laughs) 
105. Well, and it's, yeah. it's part of the study that has been ongoing for the past couple of years. And so uh, we hope that that report will be ready soon. You've got to get can... that soon in case a Republican gets elected governor. <laughs> it's like you have to all those years working on it. I know. Okay. I'm Ziff. Z Blades, Z I H B L A D E Z. I'm sorry very much if I mispronounce your name. Writes on Facebook. Please ask the mayor about the removal of security from public housing buildings. Yeah. How is that safe just to save money, but residents are at risk for drugs and abuse? Thank you for your question. Well, no, I think that we do have some concerns about that. We were not mm-hmm. consulted. Um, certainly, it is a quasi public organization and has its own board of directors. And uh, we read about it in the newspaper like everybody else did, but are a little concerned. I'm thinking that there may be ways that we can help, um, particularly those um, um, developments that are hotspots. You know, we've been doing community sweeps in Newhallville, and we're now looking at Fairhaven. And, you know, an interesting uh, thing that we learned is we sort of mapped where the crime was, is that there was one spot, and, I, and it was in a different place than a lot of the crime in Fairhaven. And I said, well, where is that? And it was at a housing authority development. And I thought to myself, well, and, and they're getting rid of security. This is a problem. We're going to have to talk with them about that and to see if there are other things that we can do to help make these places more secure, adding cameras and other kinds of technical devices might help. And, um, do you know I mean, why they did get rid of the security? Money. I mean, we're all faced with uh, problems with our budget. Uh, whenever you see cuts in Washington, particularly HUD cuts, uh, we feel them directly here um, in in New Haven uh, at, through our, our housing authority um, uh, developments. Um, and you so know, you're saying you're looking at some alternatives, maybe have targeted security as well as maybe more cameras. Yes, exactly. So those are some things that we're looking at. We'll be working with them on coming up with a security plan, but, um, it's unfortunate that the, uh, reduction that they predict in their overall budget made them make, uh, this type of decision. A very good question. Thank you, Mrs. Blades. Um, another place you went last week. Some people thought you were going to a bus shelter, but it's not a bus shelter in the Broadway Island. It's a kiosk where you buy crepes. There's a new okay. crepe business. There's this guy um, who used to ride his bike around New Haven, Adil Choke Ray, who yeah. sold crepe, crepes out of a cart, and uh, now they've given him a whole place. He's got a few restaurants now. They gave him a place on the Broadway Island. I think that's great. That's another one I miss, Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> see, I thought I was tracking you around town. I just always see Harp administration. My apologies. I think Matthew never was He there. went there. Yeah. And he had a great <laughs> sentence that, you know, he has a way of saying something gets everybody all interested in arguing. First of all, the thing about Broadway yeah. is people love to argue about what stores are on Broadway. You know, really? nuclear, you know, are we going to have nuclear with North Korea? And eh, they might talk about that in New Haven. They might not, you know, yeah. should we blow up buildings or tear them down? Some people have talked about that, but should we have chain stores versus like, you know, <laughs> Yankee doodle on Broadway? And that's, that's people have concept. so many opinions about it. Or the, is the Apple store a kind of bad chain store making us like every place else or something special you can't get for 50 miles. And yeah, people have such strong opinions about yeah. that. So Matthew said this, look at this, uh, look at this kiosk selling crepes. We got to educate people that this is not just a larger Brantford, this is a smaller Boston. And the only way that happens is by having the continued imagination of being an a- Apple store, an LLB, and a Patagonia, and a crepery. And then somebody else wrote in Brantford has two creperies fail. So this may decide if, in fact, 
New Haven is a smaller Boston or bigger Brantford. And somebody else wrote, Mr. Nemerson, I don't think it takes imagination to bring three large national retail chains, but other people say Apple has become a magnet. Like I, even just every day, you notice there's always a big bus of Chinese visitors <laughs> that comes there every day, like Chinese Chinese. I'm yes. not like using that as a, as no, a I know, I know. generalization. They come from Chinese tour groups. I've, I've noticed that, yes. It's kind of... For years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, honestly, I do think that Apple brings people into New Haven. So I... I don't see the Apple store being a problem. And if we didn't have it, we'd either have to go to Stanford or we'd have to go to, to um, uh, West Hartford. And, you know, so I'm glad that we have it. And one of the things that, that I worry about when I see the quality, I mean, this is just as a shopper, not as mayor, but as the quality of uh, the mall in Milford has gone down so much that the only place you can buy decent things is in New Haven right now. What kind of things? I mean, things that, you know, like if you if you wanted to, if you were a professional and you wanted to to have professional uh, uh, clothing, you know, uh, you can't really get it there. You I mean, you can- Gant, Gant's still in business. Well, but, you, you know, like you can go to Forever 21. Can you imagine that? I no, mean, no, I'm <laughs> talking about in New Haven. We got Gant, we're going to have um, the L.O. Bean. Yeah, and I mean, that's what I'm saying. New Haven, you have Ann Taylor, you have a number of uh, boutiques, um, but you don't have that quality out uh, in the in the Milford Mall. Sounds like you sense an opportunity. <laughs> I do. I think that we are a, a good alternative, and that people, if they if they want to have uh, uh, access to that kind of uh, opportunity, it's here. It's the not. The time uh, I've been to Milford more in twenty years was to watch a movie. And you think about even of uh, uh, the other uh, places that people can shop. It's all, you know, like um, nothing as distinctive as what we have here in New Haven. So. All right. And Doug Houslating, your traffic chief, writes in, help the Move New Haven study progress. And that's the study Mayor Harp was talking about where we're trying to look at how we make right. mass transit and all other forms of transportation better in Connecticut. Leave your comments on the present transit system in New Haven online. So you can either go to our Facebook page and see on the video where Doug puts the link or just go to Move New Haven, M-O-V-E, movenewhaven.com. And they have a contact us page. Thank you, Doug, for writing in on that. And that is a very exciting, uh, very exciting uh, development. You have a new sheriff in town going after shopping uh, uh, food carts. A woman named Charlene Taylor was uh-huh. uh, was highlighted in the Independent last week mm-hmm. by uh, she's a a twenty five year retired state cop. She's also a minister. Okay. And then so we, she's going to be fair. She's going to be fair. <laughs> that's right. And her new job, they love her already. The new job is she goes around all day to food carts to make sure they're following the new ordinance. Okay. And she's got a lot of tough love. So she says at the beginning, she's just letting people know she's there and what's Mm -hmm. out of order rather than finding them. One thing that's actually interesting about that is her job is paid out of the proceeds of the, of the permits people pay to the city. Mm -hmm. So there was no, when you did this new law and you had, I think it's $100 a year or whatever permit, people you're going to use that new revenue rather than have to take money out of existing revenues in the budget, existing right. parts of the budget. And I always think about how does that work as a model? It seems to me this is one of those cases where it does make sense. Cause sometimes like when people talk about dedicating transportation, money to transportation, I'm always worried that we're just letting certain issues have their own protection versus the overall democratic process of budgeting. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it seems like you're saying we're going to have a dedicated revenue stream that will go to that purpose and enforcement. And I think it's important because, you know, people have reached out to us to say that they really expect us to do that. And, you know, in all honesty, if we didn't have that revenue stream, I don't, we'd have to let something else go in order to do it. But she's, she's apparently a real character. We're glad she's out <laughs> on the street. 
And you have a new uh, offers made to 41 new firefighters, assuming they all get into the right. academy mm-hmm. after going through screening. 34 of them live in New Haven. We've never had anywhere close to that number. Right. And five of them are women. Now, five out of 41 might not seem like a lot until you realize mm-hmm. that only 11 out of the 322 current firefighters are women. Right. So, in fact, this is a dramatic increase of women on the on the force. No, it is, and um, it, and I think the 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 voters of New Haven voted during the last charter change to give ten extra points to New Haven residents for our entry level uh, civil service jobs, and uh, and so and because they wanted more New Haveners to have an opportunity to work for the city and to work in the city. And this is something, uh, it's an outcome of, of what the people said was important to them. All right, so the people continue to write in questions, including some people you haven't heard from in the past. Oh, Mufid, I'm really sorry if I'm getting this wrong. Mufid Borquez asked Mayor Harp, are there any plans for the Fairhaven area? Yes, as a matter of fact, we're taking, um, we're, well, it's not exactly quite Fairhaven, but you know, the Walker Rink. Uh, we are uh, remodeling that, and it's it's going to be phenomenal and um, uh, beautiful. Um, in the River Street area, we've developed, um, um, identified, and are developing a development uh, site there that we hope developers will come to. And you also actually have a first tenant, if I'm not wrong, that interesting business, I'm going to get these details wrong, where everything produced between the three, among the three businesses gets reused to each other. So I think it was going to be like a brewery, and then the waste to that gets used to manufacture something else in the building. Right. So you're getting a start on Mill River, it's in Mill River Street, mm-hmm. and that is in Fairhaven by Criscolo Park. And you also have a big project coming online in Fairhaven, the gateway to Fairhaven at James and State, which is called District. It's sort right. of a, a high-tech hub across from the old Robbie Lenz swimsuit factory, where you're going to have a lot of startup businesses and digital surgeons, which are very successful um, is the marketing firm. Is, and they're going to expand their offices there along with CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a whole canoe launch and a gazebo with concerts. And there's going to be a microbrewery there. Right. And that's right. going to be kind of interesting. You're going to have it, people using that river again. Mm-hmm. I, so there are a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, things happening in that area. So thank you very much for that question, Mr. Baraquiz. Um, Last week you spoke at a state hearing. I do know you were there because I saw your photo. Okay. You were talking to the State Commission on Fiscal Stability and Economic Growth. That's a traveling team that's going around in two months to try to figure out how the state can do better with uh, how it raises money, spends money. And you were talking about the transportation system. You brought up something I hadn't seen before, which is connecting the transit system of the state to Tweed New Haven Airport. And I thought, boy, that's an interesting idea because the mm-hmm. truth is you kind of got to take an Uber to the uh, the airport. I guess you can once in a while get a bus, but it's not very reliable. You're not going to depend right. on a CT Transit bus to get out there. And it's in a neighborhood mm-hmm. and it kind of sealed off by nature. So what what was your thinking? How would you connect? Well, the you know, I think it's really important that Tweed be seen as the second commercial airport for the state of Connecticut. Um, one of the things that I point out is that there are nearly a million people in its service area and that um, if we're to grow as a region, not just in New Haven, but a region, people have got to be able to quickly get in and out of um, of Connecticut to elsewhere. And when you think about sales forces, um, 
the um, sales force for Alexion went to Boston because it was easy to get out of Boston, much easier than it is here in Connecticut. And so it's really important to me that we understand the importance of the airport and its ability to to generate uh, economic development um, here in New Haven and the region. Any closing thoughts on the latest developments in the governor's race? This is going to be going on all year. So many people are running. They're all looking hard for New Haven's support, your support. Who seems to be gaining traction in New Haven? I'm hearing Luke Bronin. I'm hearing Ned Lamont. What are you hearing? Uh, you know, I'm hearing those names. There's also a guy named um, Smith. Guy, guy Smith. Smith. His name is Guy Some Smith. Guy a running, guy named Guy Smith. A guy running for governor <laughs> named Smith. <laughs> right. His name is uh, Guy Smith, who, you know, some people are interested in. And so... Uh, there are a lot of people. We'll see how it works out. What were your thoughts on Erin Stewart, a woman Republican who has raised taxes in her city in New Britain, been elected by by Democrats, and is only 30 and announced on Facebook Live? I think it's really interesting. You know, the millennials have somebody. What can I tell you? <laughs> Imagine if it's she against Susan Bicewitz. Well, that'd be interesting. <laughs> I want to stay out of the middle of that fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then you know what you could do? You could just come back every Monday to uh, Mayor Monday and WNHH. Okay. You always have your seat and your tea, and we won't put you in the middle of any cat fight. All right, <laughs> Got to let you go, Mayor Harp, because you got to go take care of some bump stocks. To State of the City. When is that? Tonight. Oh, my goodness. 7 o'clock. Tonight is State of the City address at yeah. uh, Border Wall. There's 7 o'clock. Any previews? Any themes? Oh, no, we're not going to give any themes. We want you oh, to come great. and see. Everybody's give, invited. Preview. All right. Okay. I mean, you know what we'll probably put on Facebook Live? Oh, please. So you watch it at New Haven Independent Facebook page. Markeisha Ricks is the master of Facebook Live uh, okay. video. She did Cornell West. We had thousands of people watching, and there she is. All, All right. right. So, Mayor Harp, thanks for coming in today. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for these great questions, as long as our, along with our new questioners. And thank you, Mayor, says Mufid, for your answer. Uh, we're going to take it out. Uh, thanks to Bertrand Moses, BC, and Gateway Community College for providing finesse support. We're going to take out the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass reminding us all that we do know what it feels like to be free. We just have to book our flight. Book your flight and fly free with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, your home for community radio.